And good evening, everyone. It's wonderful here in Houston. We finally got our cold front, which we were looking for. And I guess I don't, mm, let's call it a cool front. Cold hey, is I'll a take, little bit extreme. <laughs> uh, I'll I take mean, it over the 90 degrees. Thank you. Definitely. I mean, well, that's tomorrow. 88. <laughs> it's still better than 90. <laughs> But first and foremost, I don't think I've done this yet. I want to thank our listeners out in Manila, Philippines, out in Sicily, out in Dublin, Ireland, Ooh. Brussels, German, or Brussels, yeah, Belgium, and London, England, and Great. South Car or South America, and of course our neighbors up in Canada. Those are all our overseas, and wanted to thank them for listening. Hey y'all! <laughs> Very cool. So. Thank y'all for listening. Hopefully we'll have some more shows that will bring y'all in. I'm kind of surprised we haven't hit Australia yet. That's the one that I, I would think uh, would it be more time. of a... Give us time. Yeah, true. Uh, I was just We're thinking spreading. it would be a little bit more, but we do have Europe getting there. And spreading's a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, of course, want to thank our Facebook and YouTube listeners and our Twitch people. And Discord. Gotta, and and Discord, yes. And usually Discord just links in with Twitch. That's the no. thing with them. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. Yeah. I would like no. to just say I we thank everybody that listens to us on any platform that they listen yes. to. <laughs> thank you. There we go. There like, we go. I feel like I feel like it should be one of those. We love you all. And then I drop my mic, but my mic is attached to my desk, so I'm just gonna push it down. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I can ask. <yeah. laughs> but here, we, uh, I'm laughing at Amy. That is the first she, time she, I have made it. Like, oh my god, I love it. This is like one for the book. I love it. I love it. But want to thank our guests here today, Matt Hawkins with Top Cow Productions, and he's got a lot of info to tell us on. I guess he can tell us about conventions that he's going to. We met him at Comic Palooza, so that was wonderful seeing you there, by the way. And well, I'm, I was glad to see you as well, and thank you very much for having me on your show. I'm flattered to be uh, asked as a guest. Ah, well, your like table was very interesting. I've never seen comic books that are actual graphic novels, like huh. big actual novels, and so I was like yeah. fascinated with it. I'm like, this is so cool. How does you know this that work? That is, uh, just to give you just some stats, in, in 2000, less than uh, 10% of our business was uh, graphic novels, the collected editions, the trade paperbacks, and now it's almost 70%. So in 2021 20, years, it's shifted from the almost completely from the 32-page format to the larger formats. Awesome. Very nice. So we were, as, as Greg was saying earlier, we were kind of in a debate on Tuesday. How many pages is one of those graphic novels, like I said, that were like that big? Right. And uh, the graphic novels usually are in the 128 is the average one of mine. Um, I think I've written and published 60 or 80 of them. I, I don't even know. Um, I've written 600 or so total comic books, including all the variations of that in my in my career. But uh, 128, 156 are very common price points. Usually uh, you might get something down to 96 pages, but 96 pages are usually 9.99. The problem with that slim of a format is uh, the spine is very thin. You can't read what it says on the spine. So on uh, like bookshelf store racks, uh, which are mainly spine out, it's pointless. So 128 is, and you'll find usually the ones that are the more mass marketable ones, like the compendiums or the omnibuses, which are the even larger format books, the 30 to 40 to $50 ones. 
um, those are much, much thicker. Gotcha. And how long is you? You said 167 books you no, said in your career? Um, I've No, I've written a little over 600 comic books. Okay. And how long has your career been? Uh, this is my 29th year. Nice. Congratulations on all fronts. Thank you. Hey, so that's turned... a sweet number because I'm 29. So it's a sweet number. Now I feel like, you know, we're kindred spirits here. I'm okay. I got this. I can do it. I'm telling you, Why you, are you are... I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. But 29 is a great number. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> is that how old you are? I just turned 52. So, uh, you know, 29 hey! seems, young, seems very young to me. No, uh, you look I'm... fantastic. Oh, my gosh. I would not uh, thank you. Oh, man. Yeah, I have two. I have two adult sons. Yeah, I have one so. adult son because I'm right behind you. All right. <laughs> Chugging along at threes this coming April, I'll hit my big five zero. So oh, that will congrats. be an exciting one. Mine will be yeah. next June. <laughs> yeah, I think what uh, the fun thing for me is I, I don't know maybe it's just lucky genes and the fact that I've stayed fit, but uh, I feel like I've aged reasonably well. You know, like uh, I see a lot of friends of mine from high school. And they're like gray haired, looking like Santa Claus almost. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, look at some of these people. I'm like, how are you my age? You know? And, uh, <laughs> Greg, Greg, you look fantastic. Greg, you look fantastic too, man. I don't see oh, any right. of those gray hairs. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got the gray beard here. <laughs> 12 days of Christmas, so we need to put a Santa hat on him and he needs to go ho, ho, ho. No, you know That's what? It's okay though? if you notice. If you notice, what? I got the gray right here, so it looks like Mr. Fantastic a little oh, bit. There with you the go. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, you look you look great for your age, and I'll tell you why. Because most what ages men and makes men look old is uh, huge bellies and bald hair. You know, I mean, both those, like, you look at, like, older men that are bald that are not fit or skinny. Uh, they mm. age quickly, and it's, uh, it's interesting to see. You know, I have family and friends of mine, and uh, I don't know, it's, it's interesting to see – longevity has changed you know and like i'm six foot tall and my my younger son is six seven you know oh, wow. and i'm the tallest person in my family ever my parents are short wow. you know my mom's like five five my dad was like five eight you know my dad was five eight i'm six foot my son's six seven you know i mean wow. it's and his mother by the way is five flat you know she was see, not now, a tall woman i'm the reverse situation i'm the short one at five ten so Oh my gosh, five ten. That's not short at all. That's uh, that is, I'm the short one of the family. <laughs> you know, I, to I told my son, and he is now now that he's in college, he he has uh, he has he's told me I was right because he used to complain about how he was too tall in high school for the girls because they thought he was too tall and they wouldn't date him. And but now that he's in college, I'm like, dude, you, you're gonna have every supermodel you ever. How tall are supermodels, man? And so he looked it up and he's like, so now I found a uh, a cute girl he's been with for a little over a year, and she's six foot tall. So and she wears heels. So, like, when she comes over, she's over all the time. I actually look up to her, which is kind of interesting. And uh, but uh, seeing the two of them together, they make a statuesque couple. I'm I'm proud of my son. Oh, wonderful! Mm. Why awesome. are we going to talk about height, man? I'm the shortest one on this conversation. <laughs> 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 Why yeah, are we going to it out there? <laughs> well, you, you were the one that was born when my first comic came out. So uh, yeah, yes. for real. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was complimenting you. I said it was a great number, man. All right. Great. Oh no, Anubis! What's Anubis say? Uh, Money can't buy you happiness. Well, check this out. I bought myself Hi, a happy Anubis. meal. Hey. <laughs> Hi, you have yet to send me a friend request, Anubis. What's happening, okay? I feel like we're breaking up. What is happening, Anubis? Don't leave me. So what uh, got you into drawing and art and everything? 
Well, um, we, we refer to that in the industry as origin stories, just like it, because it's superhero nonsense, right? And um, But uh, my how I got in was sort of unusual, because I was not a comic reader or a comic fan. I was actually studying at UCLA to get my master's, and I have a master's degree in physics. So of all the things I do, the fact that I write comic books is kind of bizarre. Um, but uh, So I was studying for my master's and working my dissertation, and I was working retail banking to sort of put myself through school. And my nephew, who's 13 years younger than me, was a huge comic book fan. And uh, he wanted to go meet Rob Liefeld at Mile High Comics in Anaheim, California. And I did not know who Rob Liefeld was. Um, and I didn't know who Todd McFarlane was, Jim Lee. I didn't know who Frank Miller. I didn't know who any of these people were because I didn't read comics and I uh, didn't grow up on them. Um, and so I went to the signing. I uh, waited in a three-hour line with my nephew. And, and it's one of those weird universal opportunity things that uh, has happened. Like the two guys right in front of me are, were artists that were showing Rob Liefeld their artwork to try to get a job. And uh, they both got hired on the spot right in front of me. And uh, if that had not wow. happened, which is an unusual, and by the way, both those guys, Jonathan Sabal and Marlo, he's, they still work in comics today. They're both working wow. for DC comics, you know, wow. and I've known these guys for 30 years. Um, and, uh, they got hired right in front of me. I was the next guy literally to come up to Rob Liefeld and see, I had a three hour education waiting in this stupid line to, to get my, my nephew's book signed <laughs> that, um, these guys right in front of me, I was chatting with them cause I was at the very end of the line. I didn't know anything about these things. And so I didn't show up early. I just showed up and it said it started at three. I, sh I showed up at three, you know, oh. people got there the <laughs> night before, um, excuse me. But um, so I was the next guy and I kind of got an education in the line talking to these guys about it. Like I said, I was working retail banking and I don't know if you've ever done that, but retail banking absolutely sucks. And uh, it, it's, a, it's just a god awful, miserable job. And, uh, you know, being rewarded when I was kicked up to doing like seconds and stuff like that on houses, um, consolidation loans. I mean, you were just rewarded for screwing people over. And uh, I just had a hard time living with that, you know, like yeah. uh, adding insurance points and fees and stuff like that. I remember. We signed this awful loan to this guy, and I, I carried it all the way through. And uh, this this sort of blue collar plumber guy thanked me, and his family came to sign off on the thing to consolidate their loan on the second on their house. And and it was just it was purely a uh, you know less number per month, but he ended up paying like five times more. Um, and uh, it just it just gave me nightmares. And it was the next day I took my nephew to the signing, and uh, I walked into the signing after waiting in this three hour line. Here were these young, good looking guys with some young, good looking girls. They were all wearing these black leather Extreme Studios jackets, and they just looked like they were having the time of their lives. And you know, I don't know if you if any of you did science, but I spent you know thirty hours uh, a, a week in the lab. I was spending another twenty hours a week in class. I was working forty hours a week. You know, so I, I didn't have much of a life. And then so then I see these young guys having a great time. And uh, I You're just like, what I, am I doing wrong? Well, I'm like, you know, yeah, why not me? And so, no, I literally was the next guy. I saw these two guys get hired. I get up to Rob and I'm, I'm like, uh, he's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, good. I'm like, are you hiring? I'm not an artist, but do you hire for anything else? And he's like, yeah, we're looking for someone to write, you know, press releases and do letter pages. Is that something you can do? And I said, yes. And so he gave me his card. I went literally directly to Crown Books, which doesn't exist anymore, and bought a book called <laughs> How to Write a Press Release. Um, I went home and wrote a press Take release. Make it you make it. <laughs> I wrote a press release about, and I faxed it over to him the next day, and I wrote a press release based from this book on what I would have sent to local news coverage to support his signing, and uh, faxed it over. He hired me the next day, and I've been in the industry for 29 years now. Nice. Wow. Oh, wow. That was uh, April 1993. 
Wow, that's an so, amazing story. That's awesome. Just, so instead of hurting people, you're now encouraging people by... Yeah, you know, I write comics that I find uh, that I enjoy. I'm passionate about the work I do. And uh, my goal has always been to clandestinely educate while I entertain. Perfect. I love it. Now you're with Top Cow, or are you yes. the owner of Top Cow? Or are you... No, uh, okay. I am the president of and CEO of Top Cow. Uh, Mark Silvestri owns the company. He founded it as part of Image Comics originally, uh, probably best known for Witchblade and The Darkness, um, and Wanted, the feature film, was based on one of our graphic novels that Mark, no Mark Miller did. Um, cool. And um, so we've, we've had uh, a lot of success in that. I, I joined uh, Mark in uh, May of 1998, and I've been there ever since. Mm -hmm. Wow. So how many different, this is a trick question probably because you may not know, how many different comic book like character type things do you have? Like how many different ones do you have juggling? You, mean, you know what I mean? I mean comic books that I write currently? Yes. I'm working on 12 different projects right now. Wow. I, write, I, I usually work on uh, a, a different project every week. It's sort of how I try to do it. It takes me uh, about a week to write a full comic. And full comic, you're talking uh, 22 to 24 pages? Yeah, 22 pages. 20 to 22 pages. Okay, nice. 20 to 22. I don't so know why I you had 24 write the comic. stuck in my head. So you write the comic and then you ship it off to your... Uh, artists. And artists. I work with artists uh, all over the world and have worked with some of the same artists now for decades. Um, Rasan Ekadal, Yishin Lee, Linda Sedgwick, Stephen Sedgwick, um, and uh, a few others, uh, Atilio Rojo, Spanish guy. Yeah, I, I've worked with the same handful of artists uh, almost for 20 years straight. So you yeah. guys have a pretty good working relationship right now. You know what they need, they know what you need. And, and they're all different. Like, uh, as a comic book writer, I'm writing the story initially for the artist. And because uh, the artist is the person that's reading my plot and my script. And in some cases, uh, especially when I'm co-creating ideas, like with Swing, I work with Ethan Lee, and I don't write that full script. Excuse me. She and I have known each other for so long and worked so well together that I just tend to write scenes. Like, I'll write a scene, which is like, here's six pages, and this is what I need to happen in this scene, because she and I have worked together for so long, I know she's going to nail it, and then I'll write the script after she sends in the art. That's unusual. Most people want full scripts because they want the uh, dialogue up front so they can match the uh, facial characteristics to what you're trying to say, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, I usually deliver a, a full script. Very cool. Now, I'm going to go off the limb here and say, I guess, comic book writing the panels is kind of like screenwriting in a sense, where you have to give complete details of the actual area and then go through the dialogue also. Yes. I think, uh, as an example, a simple one for people to remember is like, if you want to page one, panel one, establishing New York skyline, extreme shot, it's uh, dusk, it's raining. You know, you have the time, the setting, the place, so they kind of know what to draw. Extreme angle is like essentially what you'd see in a film where you do a real far pullback shot and you see the city skyline. So that's an extreme shot. There, there's language used, extreme, medium, close up, super close up. Uh, these are all what people know. Uh, basically, the artist, you're telling the artist the distance to the shot. Um, and then there's uh, angles you call like a three-quarter down angle, uh, one-quarter up angle, straight on, side shot. You can do a worm's eye or bird's eye view. Worm's eye is straight up, bird's eye is straight down, you know, three-quarter down, one-quarter up. Um, and uh, what I always tell writers, as a writer, when you're writing full script, you have to provide this direction to the artist. And uh, um, sometimes the artist will change it or they'll come back to you with layouts and say, I think this would work better. And uh, I almost always listen to artists when they say that because they're visual their visual medium is, is, is the artist, in my opinion, more important than the, than the writer. 
Well, very cool. being a writer, being a writer, that's something very unique to know because if they do want to get into that type of industry, they would definitely need to know how to write. Yes, like four panels. Yeah, it's a very specific um, uh, language, and the the two books I recommend always when I do because I do panels at conventions all the time, where it's how to write comics, how to break into the comic industry. There's a there's a the seminal book is called uh, How How uh, Comics and Sequential Art by Will Eisner. Um, now, I've been recommending this book for 30 years, and I've been told now that it is uh, somewhat dated and it might be slightly misogynistic and racist. Um, having said <laughs> that, I haven't looked at this book in over a decade, but having said that, the basic language in the book, it was written by a guy who was in his 70s 30 years ago, so John Wayne era, what, whatever you want to think about that. Um, but uh, the other book is Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. It's a little more current. Um, he's certainly a little more socially sensitive, and uh, it's, it's a little more... What do you want to say? It? PhD dissertation-y? The one thing I, I, for understanding comics, a lot of times when people read that and that's the first thing they read, they get kind of like, oh my God, this is really complicated. When it's, it's not, um, he just makes it complicated because, uh, well, whatever. I mean, <laughs> but it's, it's a good book. But if you can, if you can stomach the slight, uh, you know, aged racism, if you can watch a movie from the 60s or 70s, I think you can read this and not be horribly offended. I don't think he was a bad man. He wrote the spirit. He was a good dude. But um, I, I just, if you I've like been, blazing saddles, you can read this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well, yeah, whatever example you want to use. So I, our generation <laughs> is fine to read it. Yeah. I don't know that I would. I, I would say it's a little easier than Blazing Saddles because uh, isn't Blazing Saddles the one with the the, the double rape joke? <laughs> I, I, you know what I mean? So I don't think rape jokes are funny. But uh, the uh, just to me that book is the seminal one because um, it really describes the uh, like the language of what happens between the panels, which is what people don't think about. The one unique format of our medium is our brain fills in. Like with animation, you see it filled in. You know, with our brain and mm -hmm. comics, you have to fill in what goes on between the panels and often what goes between the pages because I've jumped years between pages you know or sometimes years between panels and uh, most if you do it in the right way comic readers follow it and they understand it intuitively but I, I see it so often done the wrong way see all of this wow. is interesting for me because I have a children's book Chief and Sarge and my illustrator is Davy Jones well Davy actually has a comic strip called Charmy's Army so he his mindset is in the comic world and mine's in the children's book world and so we're merging ours together so a lot of what you're saying makes complete sense to me because of how i've been communicating with him and figuring out how we needed to do different scenes he's like yeah let's put it in a different angle so it's not the same thing and he's made the book so much better because he understands the different angles and making sure that time is passing and that this is right. going on and that this and so this is like fascinating to me well, I would say helping the, me understand Davy a little bit more. <laughs> well, and, and what I always ex explain to a lot of writers is study camera film angles. There's a million books out there on camera film, film angles. And study guys like, I really like Quentin Tarantino's cinematography, whether you like his stories and his film, but his angles and the shots mm -hmm. he does are always so interesting, you know. And he, he takes scenes uh, that are basically boring. Like if you think of the opening shot of Pulp Fiction, those two in that booth, you think of the shot with some of these, some of these shots they have going on, they're not that interesting but they're so weird because of the way he shoots it and it just uh i i really love his filmmaking for that and uh, i told people that's because it's it's one thing if like i have a book called aphrodite 9 which is literally about dragons dog fighting with spaceships now it's very easy to make that visually interesting okay sorry um, what was that that's um, awesome 
That is freaking awesome. What did that even into oh your brain? <laughs> um, it exists because the artist, Stephen Sedgwick, who does Sunstone and worked with me on Witchblade and a number of books, he said one day he had a dream and wanted to draw dragons dogfighting spaceships. And so I'm like... Love it. And so awesome. what I what we did is we collect we collect I wrote it he drew it we collectively created a world where it was in the far flung future it's an apocalyptic future where the genetically enhanced are at war with the cybernetically enhanced and they're the only people that survived the Holocaust it's thousands of years later they have these unique city states you know the cybernetically enhanced uh, are sort of this Chinese communist central state authoritarian government and the uh, genetically enhanced is sort of this religious messianic based society and they are at war in the future. You know, the genetically enhanced build uh, things like dragons and, and enhanced humans and various models, and uh, the cybernetically enhanced build spaceships. And so it's it's tech versus biology. Very wow. cool. I love so. it. This I would have thing. never come out with it, but that's brilliant. But that's that's Aphrodite Nine, and Aphrodite Nine is the is the is the uh, point of view cipher character, and she wakes up from the past, and what she is is she's both cybernetically and genetically enhanced. And the idea is the ninth generation. She's the ninth gener generational model of an enhanced human. Um, and when she's arisen, uh, the model 15s are around. So what do you do when you have obsolete technology uh, in a world where there's future technology? And how does that person survive? Or in some cases, does uh, older technology succeed new technology? I mean, we don't know that technology was superior to ours right now 10,000 years ago. We don't know that. Mm, very true. Man. I like the what oh if questions. God. Those are awesome. Right. Definitely the what ifs. Now, out of all the characters that you've written, would you say you have a favorite or is there just a probably think tank? I think think tank is is my most passionate and personal project. Um uh, my dad was a uh, in the military in the Air Force and and was a scientist of sorts and developed things and worked on missiles and planes and uh Vietnam era guy and uh uh, he and I met a lot of these people. I, I grew up on military bases. People ask me where I was born. I was born in, in Minot, North Dakota, at the military base. Uh, have you ever met anyone born in North Dakota before? <laughs> I mean, no, oh my yeah, god, I, 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 that's me. Um, I have not been to North Dakota since 1970. So, um, you know, and then we moved when I was one to uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and then we, yeah, I've lived everywhere Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri, uh, Vandenberg, California. And then finally, we ended up in Norton out in San Bernardino. And uh, I went to Redlands High School out there and then went to UCLA and have been in LA ever since. Wow. Mm. So now, now somebody's going to invite you to one of their conventions out in North Dakota, and you're not going to be able to say that anytime soon. <laughs> I, I would love that. You know, I uh, the only thing I know of North Dakota is, you know, do you guys remember anything from when you were one? I have a picture of me in uh, like a diaper in a 10-foot snowdrift, you know, um, like looking wow. up at the snow. And uh, that's the only thing I remember from North Dakota, other than that it says it on my birth certificate. <laughs> so. Now, one thing that we were talking about before the show was the thickness of some of the books that y'all have. Right. No. Oh, yeah. And you wanted the size format. 128, 156 is sort of the standard for the 1499 to 1999 price range. I mean, if you get up into the 2499, 2999 price point, you're getting up into the 256 page plus. And uh, those are what we frequently call omnibuses, which is collections of a lot of issues, like 10 to 25. And then a compendium is a, is a much bigger collection, often a hardcover, which is 25 to 50. Oh, my yeah, God. Is anybody else learning, like, a crap ton of yes. information? Yes. I know nothing about comic, like, I mean, I know about <laughs> comic books, okay? Hold on. Let me back for a little bit. 
I know about comic books, but this is like in depth where I'm just like, holy cow, I did not know about comic yeah, books. I'm like so taking like, notes over here, by the way. <laughs> I know this you know? was an awesome like lesson. Oh my gosh, this is yeah. amazing. Now, two things that we talked about before we started regarding the thickness of the book is that you said some are collections and some are actual book books, like actual right. comic novels. Right. Uh, to explain that, the differentiation, you know what happened is when graphic novels became a section of the bookstore in Barnes & Noble, they're the ones that christened the word graphic novel. And they did that because they were trying to make it palatable to women. Um, and that was actually the reason why they did it. And because they had manga in the same time, so they created this manga. And see, that that's like a large readership today. The largest growing readership in graphic novels and comics today, and I, I'll get back to the question because this is a fair point, is women that are in their 30s and 40s because they grew up on manga. You know, these 14 and 15 and 16-year-old girls 20 years ago that uh, read Fruit Basket and some of these manga books that came out from Tokyo Pop and these other companies, they're now in their 30s and uh, are looking for more sophisticated content. That's where that's why books like Sunstone and Swing have been so successful. Now the Graphic novel is because there's always been a, a, a bit of a toxic masculinity to comic book stores, or at least a perception of. I think that's gone now for the most part. But 20 years ago, there was certainly that perception of a toxic masculinity. So women would not go into the comic stores because it was a boys club, you know, whatever. Now, I believe a lot of that is gone. So I please encourage women, please go visit comic shops. They're not like they were 20 years ago. But um, the, I liked the, the, going into them back then. I mean, even earlier, because it was like to me going to like a sale because you could like flip through everything until you find the one you want. I don't and you think find like this gym over here. Like I know they huh? said like okay, this is gonna sound really bad. I don't think I've ever been inside of a comic book store. Now a video game store? Oh yes, I have been inside those <laughs> waited in line. Like yes, but I would love we'll to see. go to a comic book store. You know that would be just oh that's it's on my like, it's, yeah. it's super cool. It has like this old feel and there's like boxes of comics and I and wonder have, if yeah. my small town has one. I'm gonna look it up right now while we're talking. I'm gonna go. If <laughs> Houston has some great stores. In fact, Texas yes. has some of the few chains. Uh, I think what's Heroes and Villains, Bedrock, and uh, Lone Star are some of the great uh, Texas store chains, and I, I, I'm a big supporter of them. One other, one other I have to say is Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer, yeah, I, that I missed that one. You're absolutely right. I think they're fantastic. But to get back to your question, what's the difference between a graphic novel? I just wanted to explain where the term came from. Mm -hmm. It was designed to make it sound like it wasn't a comic book because the perception of a comic book 20 years ago was that it was something written for a child, and yeah. so and that has only really been an American stereotype, by the way. Uh, if you go to Europe and Japan, uh, that that stereotype does not exist, and adults have have openly read comics and material there for since it started. Um, but uh, so graphic novel and original, see the people mix, miss up these terms really because they don't know what they mean. But to me, an original graphic novel is a book that was only written and released in that format, meaning mm -hmm. there was not a series of 32 page stapled saddle, books that were released into the market first and then were collected. We call those collected editions or trade paperbacks, but often they're lumped together as graphic novels. And uh, that's just, uh, it's just a fancy term to, to it's just, it's honestly, honestly, it's a marketing term. It was designed to make it sound more appealing to a mass market and it worked. Mm -hmm. So thank Barnes and Noble for that. So like, for example, in comparing to the author world that we were aware, we're kind of a little more familiar with, that would be the, the collection would be like a collection of short stories, like an anthology yeah. collection of you, short stories in one versus a novel, which is written as this is the story. 
Well, uh, actually, it's not an anthology because most of the time the, the collected editions are serialized, meaning there is like if you look at a collected edition or trade paper like Think Tank or Postal, which mm -hmm. I wrote initially as comics, which were then collected into these larger books, um, those are completely. Oh, we lost the sound. We lost your sound. We lost your sound. Your sound. You have no sound. <laughs> there you go. He's got <laughs> Nope. No, we still can't nope. hear you. Uh-oh. Yeah, he might be coming back. But anyway, Amy, to go a little uh -oh. bit into the... He's coming back. To go a little bit into the comic book world, you also have your games here like Magic, and a yeah. lot of the comic books are now... Stores are actually having stuff such as models, the games, and the card games such as Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, and just, stuff like that. I was that. just looking it up, and there's one here. It's called Books and Comics, and then there was one that was Comic Pursuit Games, Comics, and Collectibles, but that one's not open anymore. Yeah, Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't normally do these on my, my phone, and uh, I, but uh, so I, I did this on my phone today, so I'm not, I, don't, I forgot to turn my phone off, so sorry about that. Um, <laughs> what was I where was I? I'm sorry. We're talking about the difference between like graphic novels and like the collective little novels. Yeah, they're not actually okay. To clarify, it's not a series of short stories. What it is is a it's a longer serialized story. Imagine like Stranger Things season one collected into one long running DVD. That's gotcha. in essence the same thing as what a collected edition or trade paperback would be. Got it. And to give you an idea, I think Marvel did it for R.A. Salvatore's uh, Drist. Yeah. One of the, his stories, they Marvel actually made one of those books into a graphic novel. That's been done quite a bit. I've adapted several novels into graphic novels. That's okay. got to be real. That's got to be really hard though, because now you have to change, kind of change what the author wrote to the visual of how well, you they, perceive it. Yeah, but usually the underlying authors are, for the most part, are involved, um, and you, you send them the design work, and, uh, and often they have uh, design work turnarounds for the main characters in the spaceships or whatever else it is, and uh, so I've done that. The harder part with uh, converting a novel into a graphic novel is just the the sheer amount of space you have in a novel to uh, you know really talk and elucidate what a person is thinking, whether you know what's going on, and and explain things like you can go off for eight pages on something in a novel. You can't do that in a graphic novel. You don't have the same space. No, mm. in, in thinking, my, my brain's kind of working in the comic mode sort of thing. And like I said, working with Davey, it's taking a lot to do 32 pages. How long does it take to do an actual like, graphic novel? Because that's a lot of pages. Um, like on an average, not not like a hard and set, just like an average guesstimate. If I write a full graphic a novel, it'd take me about a month. I, I, I write about 20 pages a week. So okay. I, I usually so write... Your uh, writing would be a month and then... The artist would take about how long? Oh, six months. If, if for okay. a full graphic novel, like if you look at a, a volume of Swing or Postal or any of those, that's six months to a year's worth of work for an artist. That's probably a month's okay. worth of work for me. Gotcha. I okay, write, I write four or five comic books a month, the 22-page ones, mm -hmm. um, and uh, an artist might do one a month. In fact, most artists do one in a month and a half. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. So good. <laughs> Different artists overlap with different stories, or yeah, it depends on the uh, on the project. Like if you look at serialized books like Witchblade that we did, or Darkness for Years, or say a Batman, X Men, Spider Man, whatever long running arcing stories, you'll have a series of artists and art teams and creative teams change relatively frequently. Mm. Yeah, does that mess with the pace of the book at all? 
Often, yes. That's a challenge, and that's uh, that's where, as a publisher and editor, which is another thing. You know, I I write, but I also publish and edit, and I'm one mm-hmm. of the few people that actually does business as well. So I do the accounting, and the finance and taxes, and so. Ah, um, see that bank background came into play here. It did. <laughs> physics, you know, physics is physics is math. I, I was I have a master's in physics from UCLA, so yeah. accounting is e- is easy math. So people talking to me you, about accounting being to tough. You, I'm like, yeah. Math math <laughs> gives me brain pain. You know, but <laughs> give me a book to write and I can get it written within like a month. I did three books in two months, so I can do but in, that. But I was calculating trajectories of asteroids around black holes in college, you know, so I mean, yeah, that, no. that's much more, that's much more sophisticated math. Yeah, no. You were doing cool stuff, man. Cool stuff. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I am the attic. That should give you another idea for a comic book right there. Yeah. I know, right? Oh, I, I did a lot of that in Aphrodite 9. You know, I talked about Aphrodite 9 earlier. I think that's one of my more interesting stories because a lot of it had to do with quantum physics and quantum entanglement, you know. And uh, one of the things that fascinated me in college is I learned through quantum entanglement, which people don't understand. But uh, in essence, through that, we've been able to create instantaneous communication uh, that you could probably have anywhere. You know, we've always learned from science fiction, like if you call from the moon, it's going to be an eight-minute delay or whatever it is. Um, But now with with quantum physics and what we're doing with some of that stuff, Probably in the next 10 to 15 years, though, we will be able to have instantaneous communication anywhere in the universe. Wow. Imagine FaceTiming live yeah. with uh, someone on Mars. It's possible. We could do it. We could do it in 10, 15 years. We're very close yeah. to that. That's cool. Yeah, because That's you like... can basically do it overseas right now or, or it's in, um, instantaneously. So why not just expand it? Well, look at what we're doing right now, the four of us, all four of us in different locations, and I'm in a different state. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm 1,500 miles from you guys, and we're talking in effective instantaneously. Imagine this 30 years ago, you know, when you before you were born and when the rest of us were kids. Uh, well, I guess I would have been, a, I'm sorry, 30 years ago, I would have been in my 20s, so I guess I wouldn't have been a kid. 30, yep. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Baby, uh, that's I, okay, I would have been, 30 years ago, I would have been 19. <laughs> But, you know, the idea that I'm sitting uh, here talking on my iPhone to, to all of you in live video chat in real time uh, is pretty amazing. You know, when you mm-hmm. stop and think about it, it's, it's, it's amazing. And uh, I think we take it for granted, some of the, the magic that we have that's science right now. Yeah, I mean, there was one thing I read on Facebook that I just started dying for, like, one of my Amy crack up type moments um, mm-hmm. where someone goes, imagine... Somebody came back in time to you to 1984 and handed you a device that could connect to you anywhere in the world, and you would look up cat videos on YouTube. <laughs> hey, um, there's worse things you can look up. Come on. But you know what I'm saying. The point well, 30, is, is, 30 years ago, I think, would have been, this would have been the equivalent to the ham radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I remember in 79 when Apple II Plus came out or whenever that was, my parents had one. I remember, you know, the big, uh, box, it was pretty, the big square. Yeah, Apple. Big box. My first computer, 1979, late 79. You know, my sister wants to turn hers into like a fishbowl. Oh, I wish <laughs> I had all that stuff. I, yeah. She still has all that. these. I don't I have any the, of that stuff. I wish I, wish think I, I had the Commodore 64 right about then. That's, uh, yeah, that was what everyone else had. I had the Apple II Plus, everyone else had the Commodore 64. I was and, playing Atari. Uh, in television. In television was the other <laughs> I was one. I was trying to remember Atari. the name. Oh, I had Atari 2600. Space Invaders was my jam. It's all good. Yeah. I love that stuff. <laughs> oh, Space Invaders. Yeah. Adventure, Pitfall. There's some good stuff. Pac-Man. Like the original, uh, not the ones that are currently out right now. 
Okay, so yeah. I have I have a question about your Aphrodite nine. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Because I came here because you know <laughs> that fascinates me, and I took physics not in college. Okay, I took like really basic physics in in high school, and but anyways, I like it. Math is not my strong suit. But okay, so I see, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but there's like a volume two, and then there's like a different one, and then there's sold out ones. So which one is the one I need to get? Um, there's uh, Aphrodite Nine Rebirth Volume One and Two. There is a uh, there is an original Aphrodite Nine volume that was published in 1996 from Top Cow. Um, it was written by David Wall and uh, illustrated by Dave Finch. Um, it has very little to do with the books I wrote. Um, when right. Stephen Sedgwick, the guy that pitched to me that he wanted to do dragons fighting spaceships. Um, I initially was starting to work with them to create something from scratch. And then I started thinking about the generational model of humans and, and the enhanced humans. And then I remembered the Aphrodite 9 character. And I'm like, oh, this would work here. And we could just update it. And it was kind of a dead character for the company. So I updated it and uh, created okay. a world for it um, and uh, turned it into that. So, and then so the after first the, one of those is the first one of those well, is. It's just called Aphrodite 9, and uh, yeah. it came out in 1996. It looks like a 90s comic. It looks that's very yours? different from the ones. No, no that's yeah, not. No, that's no, the one that does the first one of you. What's the first I one that you did? I see that one, but what is the SDCC variant cover? Is that just a different cover than the that, volume two? Yeah, that's a variant. Um, in, in the comics, especially for conventions, there's there are readers and there are collectors. And often the readers can be collectors, but uh, collectors sometimes are not readers also. And so you create stuff for the collector market, and that's a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive, a convention exclusive. Usually it's a limited variant edition, and you charge more for it. It's supply and demand. Okay, Basically, so what she's I'm saying like, is that she's she's on your site and she's looking to see which one she needs to buy first. <laughs> I so got she, it. Oh, oh, it's in her there's, con edition, man. Like, I don't want the. Uh, I want the con edition. Like, if I'm going to do it, we're going to do it right, man. We're going to get you know the SDC. Like, come on, Anubis is on himself as well. Ah, yes, Anubis, we're back together, man. Oh. <laughs> that actually, the premise of that is kind of fascinating. That's, I'm with you, Amy, wait, on this wait, one. To, yes. okay. uh, I'll be looking at it afterwards. I kind of, I have a one-track mind right now because of everything uh, I've been going through. I had the multi. But I used I to be a multitasker because I worked well, nine one dispatch. I'm multitasking, <laughs> but it's like sold out, sold out. I'm like, what the heck? Like, I would love to get well, that. So if everything is sold out, how do we get it? I got There's, it. Uh, well, I first off, on <laughs> if, if you go to our core website topcow.com there's a section called comics and there's a section under comics called free comics and aphrodite 9 the first issue is actually there you can go download it as a pdf for free read it see if you like it and then at that point uh the easiest way to find these things is either to buy the graphic novels on amazon or to buy them from our store directly topcowstore.com um and uh we we sell them on our store and if you buy them from our store you can opt to have them signed if you want because uh, we That's do the locally yeah, so we, we do do that. Um, you, they're usually a little cheaper on Amazon through third parties, um, depending. But uh, you can also read it digitally. Um, everything we've ever published is available through Comixology.com, which is Amazon's digital comic reader. Um, and there are other ways you can get it as well. Um, there's also a large hardcover for Aphrodite 9 that collects the entire story. There's Aphrodite 9 and then there's Ninth Generation. Ninth Generation was the sequel. Um, after I started developing it out, and we introduced Artemis Nine. We introduced Ares Nine, Hades Nine, and some of these other characters in sort of the the Greek pantheon to fill out the slate. We created Ninth Generation, IX Generation, whatever you want to call it. 
um, to uh, it's basically a team book. Aphrodite Nine was just a solo character book. Ninth Generation was a team book, and it is the direct sequel to Aphrodite Nine. Okay, I need to read Aphrodite Nine first. So, so okay, I'm gonna have to find this option to have it signed. But okay, <laughs> well, I, check like it. I like it. If I'm gonna have a book. I want them signed. I like them wow. signed. I, I appreciate you guys had me on the show. If you guys want me to send you a few copies of signed Aphrodite Nines, you don't need to buy them. Just email and remind me, and I'll put them in the mail for you. Greg, boom. So. Greg, <laughs> just, just give me an address. You're, you're screaming down no. there. I'll I know, this. but I'm excited. Yay! I've already hit my it checkout is. button. I'm all about. I will support. It's all good. Yeah. I'm all for supporting, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> through my so. hand. I have to ask because I saw your last convention with it looked like Pennsylvania, September 1st and 2nd, which was, of course, earlier this month. Where's right. your next one's going to be? Because I looked at the site and it doesn't say what's coming up next. Are you taking the months um, off? I, I'm in, no, I'm in Wizard World Chicago uh, mid October, I think third weekend in October, Wizard World Chicago. Uh, and then I am at the San Diego Makeup Comic Con over Thanksgiving weekend. Um, and that's it for this year. There might be a Los Angeles Comic-Con in November, which I haven't officially signed up for yet, but I'm likely to do a couple local California shows. Um, but the next year is when the convention circuit really kicks back up. I'll probably do 18 shows next year. Wow. Wow. Now, any, uh, any overseas that y'all do? Yeah. Yeah. I've done, uh, I've done shows in, uh, 30 or 40 different countries in my career. Um, and uh, like some books that I write, like Swing, the uh, popular books uh, internationally are, are sort of these, the, the romance books I've been writing, like the Swing book I write has now been published in 30 different languages. And uh, Think Tank, which is, like I said, my favorite book, my most personal passionate book, has only ever been published in English. And, and what I finally realized is that uh, everyone worldwide, everyone worldwide loves things about sex, but uh, only us here in America have. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he he caught it that time. Yeah, I think I'm getting a phone call. I think that's where it's at. So, because uh, he said he forgot to turn his phone off last time, so I might yeah. have gotten a phone call and booted him off. So he'll be back. That could have been. That excited. is awesome. I'm like super excited now. I'm excited. I don't. I got the like Comic Con one. That's the one I wanted. Like the oh, San Diego Comic Con one, or yeah, that's the one I wanted. The SCCC. That's nice. Yeah. I don't nice. see where it says to sign it, but. Oh, hey, if he's sending us a sign one, though, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> I, don't know. I, already, I had already like started the checkout process. And well, I wanted, I like, mean, doesn't time. mean like, I'm not going to get another one later. I'm just saying the first one to start, I'm all for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. This is, I just wanted this one. Like, I don't know. I get really like particular about certain things. Some of these covers are so see? Anubis? That's what I Some of saying. these covers are so old out. I'm like, no. <laughs> okay, next title. Can, can you can you hear me? Sorry yes. about that. Yes. I, I I thought I hit the do not disturb on my phone. I did not, but I, I got it correctly, so that won't happen again. But uh, <laughs> I said I thought no, it was I, your phone. I'm like, he'll be back. Let me move. I was mid mid sentence. I don't remember where go. I was. Uh, what was I saying? Sorry. <laughs> do you remember what I was saying? You were talking about uh, overseas overseas. Language. Oh yes, yes. No, I was gonna say. Uh, yeah, I've done conventions all over the world, um, and uh, next year I'll be in Italy, uh, France, and Singapore is the three shows I should be at next year. Nice. Um, I sort of rotate them. There are a lot of European languages. Uh, we, we publish in almost every big European language. And a lot of the artists I work with um, are not American. Like uh, uh, Attila Rojo is in Spain. I work with the Sedgics, uh, both Linda and Stepan. They're Croatian. They live in Kvitvinica, Croatia. 
um, which is uh, their home is about 10 miles from Castle Riach, the uh, from Game of Thrones, where you remember the uh, wow. uh, Cersei and, and Jamie Lannister, the Lannisters, their uh, their yeah. sort of home castle is uh, is right near where he lives there in Croatia. Um, and uh, the, the point being is what I think I was saying about Think Tank is Think Tank has only been published in English. And what I what I figured out worldwide is not everyone around the world is a huge fan of the U.S. military. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> true. <laughs> this is true. But the military and, people will love you. So. Oh yeah, no, they're they're big fans. But uh, you know, a swing is about a couple who you know a sex positive look at an ethical non-monogamy situation in a couple, and that's all consensual, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that book has been published in thirty languages, and uh, I get invited to cons all over the world because of it. Nice, nice. Now that it was interesting that you said that because actually my illustrator for my books is in Australia, so I understand the difference of the countries and. It's well, some of it's cost. I mean, and uh, real. The one thing about Top Cow, I will say, is since Top Cow, actually, Top Cow is the only comic company that I believe is owned and completely run by creators. Nice. You know, uh, nice. Mark Silvestri is an artist. I'm a writer, and uh, we've run this company for twenty some years together. Um, and uh, most other companies are not. They're more run by business people, and so. It's interesting that we've thrived as well as we have. But the nice thing is Mark is a very talented artist, probably one of the Hall of Famer best artists in comics, very famous for Wolverine, you know, Conan, uh, X-Men in the 80s. Um, and uh, he's a real Hall of Famer. And a lot of artists want to work for us because of that. He also is able to help me find the diamonds in the rough that we can train to become better. Nice. <laughs> very nice. Well, see, and I like that idea because then you never lose the passion for the art. Yeah. No, and like I said, I didn't read comics when, when I was a kid. I didn't read them when I was 22. I started reading comics when I was 22, and it was comics I worked on. But now I have a tremendous love for the field and the medium, and uh, I truly believe there is a comic that anyone will love. You know, it's, it's, it's like novels, television, and film. It's not something that's just for kids. It's not something that's weird or for, you know, uh, a bunch of nerdy dudes in, in, in the back of a gaming <laughs> store. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's a comic out there for you. You just need to find it. Yeah, it's like not every not every person will like every novel but every person will like a one of them yeah there's there mm -hmm. there is a comic out there <clears throat> for you and i guarantee you if you find it you will love it definitely i think i think my first one was actually adam warlock after the infinity i think that was one of my first ones that i really got into was adam what, warlock one of mine was the spider-man ones yeah we're waiting amy Huh? <laughs> um, first is going to be Aphrodite gonna, 9. I was going to say, I, right it's only the first comic that I have bought. I've never read one. The fact See, that oh, really? Aphrodite wow. 9 is like, that's my first comic. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm honored that but you got it before you were 30. So good job. <laughs> I am honored that you bought your very first comic and that it was mine. So thank you for I doing did. that. That means very much. I'm touched. She got the San Diego one. No, she was no. excited. She got the you didn't hear. She got the San wanted. Diego I like, one. I'm gonna check this out. If you sign it, that would like put it over the top. But hey, you know, if Happy it just to. mails to me, I'm cool too. Like it's I'm yeah, I'm, she was saying she couldn't find the option online to have uh, it signed. Well, if you uh email me and I'll send you guys some signed books, and the one you get in the mail, drop it off at the local library. We'll call it a fair trade. Thank you. Yep. Yes, definitely. Thank you. I am like thrilled. Like deeper. And like I said, I'll be going through it later. I just can't do it right now. 
Well, and, and one thing, let me do a shout out for the National Library System, um, because uh, I think almost every library in the nation now has a graphic novel section, which not a lot okay. of people realize. And in many cases, there are not graphic novels for adults, for women, for children. There's graphic novels for everything. And they're set in separate sections. And I, especially in Los Angeles and a lot of uh, in New York and some of the more urban centers, you'll find very large graphic novel libraries. And if you just want to read these things and check them out, I mean, just go get your library card and go down there. And often they also have access to digital versions. So if you want to read it on your iPad or your Kindle, uh, many local libraries, I honestly, I don't know the Houston library system. I'm sorry, but uh, I know in LA, there's an app that you can actually rent digital comics and it gives you a period of time where you can read it on your iPhone or your iPad or whatever it might be. So yeah, I'm one they're of those, very nice. Yeah. I'm one of those people though, that the physical book, I'm, I'm a book book person, yeah. not necessarily right. an ebook person, unless I'm like reviewing a book for somebody. I like, the book. So yeah. the problem most people run into with comics is space because uh, after a year or two or five of comics, uh, where do you put them all? I have yes. a huge office up here, I and had, that's where all my books are. I used oh to God. have three, three or four containers about you know so long, and each one yeah. had to have the cover on it. And if I get a book, back support. <laughs> if I get a book, I will find a space for it. Trust me, oh, I will find it. Well, I'm not even going to lie, though. I have a, a much deeper appreciation for comic books and for the whole, like, production behind it. I mean, I came mm -hmm. into this excited to learn about it, and I, like, I don't know. Now I just need to go check out more of them. I have, like, it's just a deep <laughs> appreciation. Because they're... You're they're converting her, Matt. Thank you. <laughs> it's been oh, go. a long time, you know? It's kind of like one of those things. Whatever. Well, I yeah. And you I think that's great. Right. I'm not giving you crap. I'm being serious. Yay! <laughs> She's joining us. She's becoming like one of us. Yes. Well, what I, I think was already one of y'all. <laughs> I, I do this all so the time. You over to the I do this all the now. time, which is why occasionally I'll just hit the start button and it will yeah, shift. Really oh, <laughs> annoying. Really annoying is when we're talking to the person we're going to interview and we're not ready, and he's already started it. And we're <laughs> I, like, I like my realm and my bubble. I'm good in my like horror, gory, like yes, that's my thing. And I'm sure that there are graphic novels about zombies and horror and gore. Oh, yeah. I promise you, they're there. You Walking just gotta dead. find them. There I bet go. she'd like. Yes. I bet she would like Witchblade. Uh, no. Especially the new Witchblade. I think yeah. uh, we have a new Witchblade coming out, and uh, let's let's maintain this this relationship, and I can get you guys on the at least the digital comp list. You can try things. I'm a firm believer in sampling, and uh, so we often will once issues come out, we'll at least put part or all of the first issues or volumes up, especially on books like Swing, where I'm working on volume five. You can actually go to our website and read the entire first volume for free. You don't even have to buy it. And the reason I'm doing that is because I know I'm doing multiple volumes and I jokingly call it the comic book drug deal. You know, the first hits free, you know, and that's a good strategy right there. It is. Yes. I've been doing it for a long time and it works. You know, um, I don't know when I saw you guys at Houston, but my strategy at conventions has always been very simple. On Fridays, I will come in with about 200 copies of a book I've written. Uh, a first issue of something, I give those books away to people with three-day badges. And ah. uh, what, I, what I say to them is, uh, hey, just, and they may not know who I am, they may not even read comics. And uh, I tell them I don't write superheroes, I write science fiction and romance and slice of life reality stuff. Um, if you, you know, give it a try, you're going to get stuck in a line. If you're here to go get William Shatner's uh, autographed, you're going to wait in a three-hour line. Give my book a read. Something to read. 
Give, give that book a read, swing back by and let me know what you think. And, you know, 5% of them will come back and half of them will buy something, you know, and it's just a numbers game. And what I've realized with comics is one of the unique things about conventions with comics is that uh, we are used to interacting with the public. You know, I, uh, I have probably met half of my fans, you know, I mean, at one mm-hmm. point or another, I do. I'm all over the country and the world meeting and shaking hands, less shaking of hands these days in the COVID world. But, uh, you know, you're going out and you're meeting people. And, and what I've discovered is if you're reasonably nice and, and you know what you're talking about and you're passionate about your work, and then if they meet you, they like you, and then they read your book and they like that, you have a fan for life. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Loyal. Definitely. Yep. Definitely. Look at the dead fans, okay? I'm just saying. That series on TV should ended a long time ago. The comic books are fantastic, though. I mean... <laughs> I do yeah. like those, but yeah, we, uh, I hear that a lot where they don't know it's based on a comic. They think the comic is based on the TV show. We have that with the darkness, which uh, there were two video mm. games for PlayStation and Xbox that came out in 2008 and 2012. So I get a lot of people that will come up to my table and ask me, Oh, is this the darkness book you've done? Is that based on the game? Um, mm. I actually love that because, uh, sometimes people tell me that annoys other people, but I love that because it gives me a chance to convert a, a fan, you know, like they didn't realize that this was based on this comic book and I can explain the process and uh, hopefully uh, turn them onto the comic itself. So you're all about education. Nice. Just well, educate it's, it's, people and kind of share, share the wealth and share the, the passion. Yeah. And I think for like a book like Think Tank, if you read Think Tank, the science is all completely accurate, you know, and, and I actually in the back of each book, I include a science class because of my love for science and my, my history with it. Um, I, I include a lot of concepts and themes in there like quantum entanglement, which we talked about very briefly, um, which most people don't understand, which is something that I'd have a hard, it would take me 10 minutes right now to explain it to you on this call and, and I don't want to bother with it, but you know, you get the basic gist of it, that instantaneous yeah. communication, you know, you get the idea of it. Uh, the, the very quick version is for some reason we've figured out that uh, if you turn this atom this way, it turns some other atom somewhere else the same way. And so that's just a very simple way to do it. And we don't know why that happens. That's what dark energy yeah. and some of these underlying concepts are about. It's what Einstein called spooky action from a distance and why there is this theory of multiverse and where eventually string theory came from. Again, Got very it. quick, but, um, you know, they're entire I didn't know books, that. Courses. I know about string theory in a multi-universe, but I didn't know that that's where they came from. So yeah, they all came from, you know, if you if, go back and read Einstein. I mean, that guy mm-hmm. was uh, was a savant. He was well ahead of his time, even though 90 percent of the stuff he wrote is wrong. I mean, that's the thing that's fascinating to me about science is uh, the vast majority of his work has been proven wrong. But that's what science is. And that's why uh, science deniers kind of pissed me off. But uh, <laughs> so, so I, I, do, I do. Yeah, go ahead. Go sorry. ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so when I talk about education, like uh, even in a book like Swing, which is about a couple exploring their sexuality and non-monogamy, right? Not a concept that might go over well with a lot of people. But I, I, if you read in the back, I include in the back a sex ed. This is an 18 plus book. But uh, I also explain the pros and cons of a lifestyle like that. And there's a lot of people and I, I'm very clear with a lot of people. I've interviewed thousands of these people that the vast majority of people won't be successful in doing this. But the few people that it works for are tremendously happy, you know, yeah. and, uh, mm. you know, and they don't cheat. They don't need to. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. True. Before I own it, I don't share Is there anything that you would like to say to somebody who maybe just now trying to get into the industry or trying to create their first, any words of wisdom or anything like that for them? Uh, 
the, unfortunately, the only way to break into the industry today, truthfully, is to just do it yourself. And uh, that's either producing a webcomic on Webtoon, Tapas, uh, DeviantArt, Instagram. You can do it anywhere. You can create your own Twitter comic and put it up um, and build a fan base. What I try to explain to people all the time is uh, they come into me and say, oh, you know, my artist as good as this guy. And I'm like, yeah, but that guy has 10,000 followers on Twitter and they're real, not bought. And I know that I have some mitigation of my risk and the money I put in by putting in someone with an existing fan base. And uh, like, I know exactly how many books I'm going to sell, you know? So there's not a lot of uh, guesstimate for me on, on what I'm going to sell when I write a book, me plus this artist equals these sales. And hopefully they slowly evolve and increase over time. Um, but uh, and it's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow, but I tell people this all the time. I'm like, if uh, you know, if I'm going to lose money, I'm going to lose it on my thing, not yours, you know? And uh, so it's all about building your own fan base and your own skill. And web comics has created a tremendous opportunity for people to prove their skills and to test their chops. You can go online. If you're just a writer, find an artist you can team up with, share friends, whatever you might have you, you know, you'd be surprised. A lot of these web comics, the art is not really professional quality. In some cases it's stick figures. If the story is interesting and compelling enough and uh, you can do these things that you can tell these kind of stories um, and you build a fan base and the model is you do this webcomic for a while, you build up a couple hundred followers. That's all you need, a couple hundred. Cause then you get a couple hundred people that read your thing for free. Then you monetize it by throwing a Kickstarter. You get a Kickstarter, those 200 people, you know, each put up 10, 20 bucks. Suddenly you're doing a 10 to $20,000 Kickstarter successful. That's when a publisher like me puts on my money hat. I'm looking around, I'm saying, who's this girl that did this comic? I've never heard of. They raised $40,000. I need to know them. Mm -hmm. mm. That's the business. Uh, it's a business, well, you know, people, people yeah, talk about, it, you know, it's a business, you know, I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're in it too. We're trying to make money. And, uh, I, I believe that top cow and image comics is, is probably the fairest company to creators around. You know, um, you know, we allow people to create and own their own content, you know, and people can create stuff and do it through image comics and then take it to other companies, you know, or, and come back and go back and they own the underlying intellectual property. And uh, we don't take any ownership stake in a lot of these creator owned projects that are done through image central. Cool. Mm, very nice. Well, everyone, we will be back tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Central time. And we will be here with Beaumont Comic Con. Well, it will be a phone call, but they will be with us. I assure you that. So everyone, until tomorrow morning, adios.